If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. Listen up. I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart. Sure, you may be a coughing snot faucet who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up. Not when cold medicine, fragrant herbal teas, and honey shaped like bears can be delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. Now let's go win the sick playoffs. Daddy, I just want my soup. Oh, sorry, Sport App says it'll be here in, in a few minutes. <laughs> Instacart for the win. Harry Winks right to the last. Daddy Alley! And he saved it! And the fouls! Shishenko! Oh, not a mission to go alone! This is sensational! World class! Absolutely stunning! From the Asian footballer of the year! Stevie Wonder! Stevie Bergwijn! Good for Kane! That's what Harry Kane can do to you! Here's Lucas Moura! Oh, they done it! I cannot believe it! Welcome to The Last Word on Spurs. We hope you're keeping safe and well. If you're listening to the show for the very first time, you can find us on iTunes, or on Spotify, or on Audio Boom, or across all major audio platforms. We're on Twitter, at Last Word on Spurs. We're on Facebook and Instagram, too. And we are back with a very, very special show on The Last Word on Spurs, a feature interview. Absolutely delighted to bring to you, best known to us for her role as counsellor, Deanna Troy on the television series Star Trek The Next Generation and four Star Trek feature films, as well as other appearances in the Star Trek franchise. The wonderful Marina Sirtis joins us. Marina, how are you? I'm good, Ricky. How are you? I'm not bad, not bad at all. We've been looking at the ranges for a while, so it's pleasing to get you on a big, big I know. Massive well, first Now, fan. finally. Yeah, I'm back in the UK, so for good. So, um, we, yeah, this worked out. Oh, listen, we're looking forward to it. You know, it's uh, great to be joined by royalty, I must say, and someone like yourself. Oh, so... Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> Pleased to have you on a big, big Spurs personality, big Spurs character of the Spurs family. Marina, let's go back to the start because you used to live within walking distance at White Hart Lane. I understand you were from Haringey, is that right? Originally? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. How did a girl from North London get to fly around the universe? Tell us what that was like. Crazy. Oh, you know what? Um, when I was, so I've been gone since 1986. So what's that? That's like 33 years. Um, I went for three months. <laughs> I just happened to get this job and stayed for 33 years. Um, well, basically I went out there. Um, actually, it was Trudy Styler's idea that I go to LA. Um, I'd broken up with some fella or other and I was moping around and she's like, oh, stop snivelling. She goes, you should go to Los Angeles. They'll love you in Los Angeles. And so I thought, well, why don't I go to Los Angeles? And so I went. And six months later, I got to the day I got Star Trek. And I met an American and married him. And so, you know, there was another reason for me to stay. And uh, yeah, I mean, basically it was all an accident. I was I only took enough clothes for three months. <laughs> 
was like, and I, and then here I was there for the rest of my the half my life. It was weird. Crazy. I mean, obviously, you want this to be quite a heavy Spurs interview, but listen, we can't help but touch upon Star Trek because of the nature of just how big that become. I mean, like you said there, after work as an actress in England for over 10 years, your career and your life changed completely back in 1986. You landed that role of Deanna Troy in Star Trek. And um, what did you know about that star? What did you know about Star Trek before you actually went for the audition? Nothing. Nothing. I wasn't a Trekkie. In fact, I have to say to this day, sci-fi is not my number one choice of entertainment i know i'm gonna get a lot of hate because of that but i'm you know i'm honest um it's not i don't like star uh, star trek or sci-fi i I'm obviously i love star trek now but um i like chick flicks you know uh, my friend data my friend brent spiner who played data we talk about movies you know and, I, and he'd go and see a movie and i'd say to him like on a monday morning so brent would i like that movie and he'd say no marina no one dies of an incurable disease. <laughs> so, yeah, I like, you know, Steel Magnolias, in Terms of Endearment, you know, Chick Flicks. Yeah. Yeah. It's so different, isn't it? I mean, it's good compare yeah. shows. Um, so, so I didn't know anything about, I mean, obviously, mm. listen, you obviously know who the characters are because you'd have to be living in a cave in the 20th century to not know Spock and Kirk and Bones and McCoy and, you know, Uhura. You'd have to, you know. It, it, they were such icons, even if I'd never, you know, I'd never seen the show, really. Um, you know who they are because it was so huge. So I knew it was a, I knew it was a big job. I mean, I really, I'm not a stupid person. I knew this was like a huge break for me in my career. Um, but I, I thought it was going to be for a year. So, you know, six years and four films and then guest starring roles in, in all the other shows. But DS9 is it, kind of bizarre for me, actually. Did you have an idea, Marina, when you obviously you took that role in Star Trek, just how big that show would eventually become? No, no. Like I said, I thought we were going to do a year. We'd get cancelled. We'd earn a bit of money. We'd go on our way. I'd come back to England, you know. Um, it was that, in fact, it actually took about two years for us to get really successful. It was in the third season that we really took off. And now it's like it's become this. Uh, it's like it's more popular now than it was when we were doing the show, which is weird, right? I suppose because of Netflix and you can watch it all day, every day, if you yeah. want to. Yeah. Um, and younger people, I mean, when I do conventions, there's every single age group from baby, baby children, you know, to grandmas and granddads. And, um, it, and also it's family viewing. There's very few things that the whole family can watch together. And Star Trek is one of them. So true. So, yeah, totally agree. Yeah. We've got to say also you appeared in the likes of Grey's Anatomy, NCIS, and a number of films, including Oscar winner Crash in 2004. What were they like to appear in? You know, it's always nice to do something different, you know. Um, in, I mean, Crash, no one knew that it was going to be this huge, this really, really huge um, hit. I mean, it was the first year, actually, this is how dumb I am. It was the first year in Hollywood that I didn't go to an Oscar party or to the Oscars, right? Because I actually bought into the hype that Brokeback Mountain was going to win. So I'm sitting there watching the Oscars like everybody else in my pyjamas, you know, and then it won and I'm like, oh my God, I should be at a party. <laughs> my bloody film won. Oh my God. So um, yeah, I really messed up, really messed up. Oh man. Honestly, yeah, we could talk so much about your career. It's been absolutely superb, but we do want to make it a very heavy Spurs-focused show. Absolutely, so because Ricky... Mm. 
You know I've got a tattoo. I do know. I'm coming on to that. It's it. Don't you worry about that. We're going to be discussing how and where that came about. We're going to mention that during the show. <laughs> but um, we go right back to the very start for you. The question, right. and always a million dollar question, why you want to ask this now? Because of what we're going through as Spurs fans right now is, why did you become a Spurs fan? How, how did that even happen to you? Okay, so it was 1966. That's how old I am. 1966. England had just won the World Cup. And I was starting at Tottenham High School for girls. Right. I was 11. And there were obviously girls' school. There's no boys at a girls' school. Spurs were the nearest boys. That was as, it was as simple as that. The nearest boys were, at, were up the road at White Hart Lane. And so there was a group of us from school who got into football around about 13, 14, 15, yeah, 13, 14 years old. So the, we, we were the football crowd. And um, we got into it because, first of all, you know, because of our age, we were kind of, you know, looking at the youth team. Right. I mean, the youth team reserves. Ooh, first team, they were gods. You know, we couldn't even aspire to the first team. But um, so we used to go when they trained at Cheson on a Saturday morning. We'd go to watch the youth team play right at Cheson. And then every other week we go to the first team games and then we go to the reserve games in between. Um, and it, it became... I've always felt that everyone should have a passion in their life. And because yeah. I love football mm. and obviously I love Spurs, that is my passion. People say, oh, isn't it acting or whatever? Well, acting is what I do for a living, but my passion is Tottenham Hotspur. I feel sorry for you. We all feel sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, being a Spurs fan is like being an England fan, right? Honestly. It's, just, it's the hope that kills you. Yeah, mm. I know, I know. So give us a flavour for our younger listeners out there. Tell yeah. us some of the names that you were growing up with as idols in that time as, as Spurs players. What was? Give us some of the flavour of okay. the names that you were... It, okay, it was... Okay, let's start. Pat Jennings in goal. Yeah. Joe Kinnear, uh, um, right back. I was in... Left back. I can't remember which back he was. I was in love with Joe Kinnear. I, for my whole teenage years, I was in love with Joe Kinnear. Um, and then on the other side was Cyril Knowles. And then midfield, we had Alan Gilzean. And um, who else did we have? I mean, Martin Peters came while I, it, it, soon after I started going. Um, obviously, Steve Perryman, Martin Chivers, Jimmy Neighbour. I could, I mean, anymore. All, 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 all iconic names in those Spurs, and even now, yeah. you look where our history yeah. is. You know, Arch those uh, names. What was, what was, who was the other Archibald. Archibald. Uh, Steve yeah. Archibald. Yeah. 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 So all these names are revealed. Alan Mullery. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I'll tell you what my first match was that I went to. Go for it. Go on. Jimmy Greaves testimonial. <laughs> and wow. I've got the programme. That's crazy. Special. Special. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. crazy. When you think about all those years ago and even now, I mean, just how much some of those players are held in such high esteem by supporters. Yeah. In a way, we're going to come on to obviously the present day and what it's like supporting Spurs now. But is it quite special to think you grew up at a time where Spurs, I mean, we, we were we were double winners at that time. You know, you were, you were supporting 61. Well, I was only six when they won the double, so I don't remember it. You've got, but, to, count them, um, you've got to count them, Marina, because of the nature of lack of Spurs <laughs> success. You've got to count them and say you were there. You knew You remember it. <laughs> I don't remember it. I don't remember. But I do rem listen, I went to two League Cup finals. Yeah. Um, I I went to many UEFA Cup matches. Um, so yeah, I did go to some cup finals and uh, I never went to an FA Cup final, but I did go to two League Cup finals. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still waiting for an FA Cup final. I'm not sure I'll be waiting for Marina, but we'll have to wait and see with Spurs the way it's going. Who knows? Well, you know, there was a time 
when I was when I first started started being a fan of Spurs, what they used to say about Spurs was Spurs have never lost at Wembley, mm. which unfortunately is not the case anymore. No, we, no, we can't win at Wembley. Day, but there you go. <laughs> Tell us, so for you, one of the places for the real diehard Spurs fans to congregate at White Hart Lane was up on the upper tier, known as the Shelf. Were you a Shelf girl? I was. Yeah, I was a shelf girl. Yeah, I was. A sh- Actually, I started. I tell you what, I started in the. I started in the Park Lane end, and then I moved around to the enclosure, because it was closer to the subs bench, and you could have a look and see, you know, have a chat, whatever, right? And then I went up, and then I got serious, and then I was up on the shelf. Yeah. What have you made about the transition to the new stadium? I think many Spurs fans feel, in a way, that. I wouldn't say we've lost our identity in terms of the stadium, but there's definitely something about White Hart Lane. That last season there, it was such a fortress for us. It was, it was. The new stadium? I did. I am a fan of the new stadium because I think one of the, listen, when they were doing all that, let's not swear, use any bad language, when they were going to do that Super League rubbish idea, right? One of, listen, when they were talking about the top six clubs, which Spurs were included in, that wasn't because we'd won anything. No. It was because of the stadium of that course. we were regarded as one of the top six clubs because yeah. it's the best stadium in the world now. Yeah. I mean, everyone, yeah. So uh, that was why. Um, so I think it's great. I mean, I'm, one, of my, one of the people that I go to the football matches with when I go is my friend's husband, who is actually a gooner. But bless him, it'll take me to the Spurs because not very many people are brave enough to take me to the Spurs. So um, he'll take me to the Spurs. And I remember looking at the old stadium. And I also, I've been to the Emirates because if I was in London and Spurs were playing away, I'd go just to yeah. see a game. Of course, yeah. Go course. to the Emirates, yeah. you know, support the other team, you know. Yeah. So when they all sing, if you ain't Tottenham, stand up. I'm sat down and everyone's staring at me, you know. So, um, but anyway, uh, so we're so we're outside the ground. We were at the um, uh, the upper, what was it? The Paxton Road end, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, Rowan goes, "Well, you, we've been to the Emirates, right?" I went, "Yeah, yeah, we've been." He goes, "It's like a spaceship, isn't it?" And I went, "Yeah, it's like a spaceship." He looked up. He goes, "Yeah, this looks like an old shed." <laughs> Honestly, do you know what? It's um, it's fair to say the last two to three years of Spurs, it's been a real transition. And I do want to discuss that with you, but before we go into Spurs over the last couple of years, we're going to ask you, for you as a fan, what's your most memorable game as a Spurs supporter? Um, I think the most memorable game was when we beat Real Madrid 3-1. Yeah, I was filming. I was filming in Utah. Right. And fortunately, we were filming in a hotel. So I could. So I had a room in the hotel that was my, you know, my dressing room kind of thing. And so I was able to watch it on the telly. If you had said to me at any time in my life, Spurs are going to beat Real Madrid 3-1, I would have said, what are you smoking? You know, really? Um, It cost me a fortune because I'm running up and down the corridors of the hotel, of the hotel, interrupting all the filming, screaming my head off that we've just beat Real Madrid 3-1 and the drinks are on me on Saturday night. 
that it cost me our I mean, that, that, that was kind of peak Spurs at a point, wasn't it? The, that that win, and I think at that point, when you look at the players we had there, I mean, lots of Ericsson was just incredible that night. I'm just, I mean, Harry Kane, Deli Ali, peak Deli Ali, he's very very best. Deli Ali, he, he's my heart, Deli Ali. Mm. I mean, Deli's my heart. We're all hoping Delhi gets back to that player that he was, you know, because the talent is still there with Delhi. I just think it takes that right manager to unlock that potential. That's exactly right. And you know what? Mourinho's not the right manager for a lot of people. I mean, mm. look, I'm talking about Euros. Look at Luke Shaw. Yeah. yeah. He's the perfect example of how Mourinho's style doesn't suit everybody. Yeah. It doesn't, mm. you know? Um because I think Mourinho had more to do with what happened to Delhi than anything. Yeah, it's difficult because I think with Mourinho, with the appointment of Mourinho, a lot of people saw it as Spurs going to that next level, finally winning trophies. But I think as fans, for those that wanted Mourinho, and to be fair, at the time, um, with Pochettino, and we'll come on to Pochettino in more detail, I was at a point with Mourinho, at Pochettino where I felt the players just gave everything to him for five and a half years and they were just mentally exhausted. They needed a fresh voice in that dressing room. I think Mourinho coming in, all of us are excited by the fact that we're going to win trophies. But I don't think any of us never really had the naivety side to think what would be left after he goes. Because whatever club he goes to, there's that destruction he leaves in his wake. Same as Manchester United, same as uh, even, dare I say, Real Madrid to one point of how he left there. And you end up having to pick up the pieces. And for Tottenham, I would say that Mourinho appointment and the sacking has set them back, I would say, two to three years and they're I agree with you. To try I agree. I, I, totally, yeah. I totally agree with you. I'm mean, listen. Um, I I think that what I mean, I think that the example that you should look at if you wanted to see how to treat a manager and how and how a manager then puts his stamp on the team is is Jurgen Klopp. He, Liverpool yeah. didn't start winning trophies as, the minute he went there. No. It took him five years to build that team, to build up the style, yeah. to build up that amazing football that they play. And that's what Poch was doing. Yeah. That's exactly what Poch was doing. And just because, you know, after the... I totally understood how after the Champions League final, we had a dip. Yeah. We had a dip. It, you, know, we were, you know, we were devastated. That stupid bloody referee giving that freaking penalty in the 30 <laughs> seconds of... If I ever meet him, I'm going to rip his throat out with my teeth, I swear. Anyway, ruined the game. Don't get me started on that Champions League final. But, I, you know, after that final, I think we had a dip in confidence and we had a dip, you know, a little heartbreak. Mm. And just because we were 14th in the league when they fired him. Yeah. But it was the beginning of the season. We, You know, I just felt that, you know, Mourinho, we got, you know, he's he was a good manager. Yeah. But his style of football is not what's played now. I, I also That's think not the style the, of football that I we're playing. Agree, that playing yeah. I don't know if you agree looking back now, you probably know, the, the DNA of Mourinho and Tottenham, it just it's wrong. Um, it's yeah. just wrong. Mm. You know, Chelsea, yes, get a goal pop of us. Yeah. But that's not Spurs. Mm. That's not Spurs. The Spurs that we loved under Poch were the Spurs that we grew up watching. I grew up watching lovely, beautiful football. You know, um, that made you happy, that gave you joy. You know, um, I don't like defensive football. I don't think Spurs fans like defensive football. It's not. It's not in our DNA. We want an attractive, offensive football team. 
I'm going to come on to that because obviously we've got a new manager to talk about and we're going to bring on, you know, what your thoughts are on him. But before we do, I've asked you about your most memorable game. I have to ask you because it's been plenty to probably mull over and go back on. What's been your worst moment supporting Spurs? What's a game where you think, oh, that one hurts still to this day? What's been the toughest game for you still you're trying to get over as a Spurs fan? OK, you said that and I instantly felt sick. <laughs> because I was at White Hart Lane when Arsenal had to beat Spurs to win the league in 1971. And then they won the cup. And so they did the double. They were the first team after Spurs to win the double 10 years later. Well, I was there in the Park Lane end and we lost. And the Arsenal fans ran out onto the pitch and they were literally digging up, the, they were taking clods of grass home with them. I mean, it was the last match of the season. And I, I literally, I just sat, there were no seats back then, everyone was standing. And I literally just sat on the steps and I was just sobbing, sobbing because the Arsenal fans were all going, we won the league at Spurs. Well, there was a fella who walked by me at that point saying we won the league at Spurs. <laughs> back in the day, people used to have rosettes, right? Yeah. yeah. Of their club. Because they didn't wear a team shirt. Well, I'll tell you about the team shirt in a minute, about uh, their club, right? So he had like a fisherman's hat on with all these red and white rosettes all around it. And as he walked behind me, he goes, we won the league at Spurs. And something in my brain just went, and um, I grabbed his hat and I threw it on the floor and I started stamping <laughs> on it. <laughs> oh, man alive. Well, when I looked at his face, I thought, oh, uh-oh. Now, okay, he's much bigger than me. This was really stupid. So I, I legged it into the ladies and I hid until he gone. <laughs> oh my God. What, what this but that was the worst, worst, worst mm. game ever in my life. Yeah. I think it's fair to say, Marina, you know, it's one of those things being a Spurs fan that, you know, many people, they could never call us glory hunters, could they? They could never say that, you know, <laughs> we support a club with this, there's been all this, you know, victory. Because to be fair, it's been a lot of pain. Even stuff been born. I remember saying to my dad, like, why have you done this to me? Ricky, it's a lot. I said, do you know what? I said to my brother, I said to him, actually, towards the end of the season, I said, Steve, next season, when we're doing well at the beginning of the season, I said, can you remind me how I feel now? I said, yeah. because, I said, because, you know, I get all excited at the beginning of the season. We're top of the league for a week, you know, and yeah. I go crazy. Just calm down. Yeah, just calm down. This is the thing with Spurs fans, isn't it? And we're all, we're all guilty of it. We get so excited by those highs and then the, the lows that follow. It's been so tough. And I mean, like I say, growing up, you know, Spurs, although we have seen, to be fair, I would say the last 10, 10 to 12 years, there has been a steady progression. We've got into the Champions League. I think it's fair to say that, as we know, we're, we're now in the midst of a, another rebuild. And um, this rebuild feels like it's been going on for the last five, six, well, I say five, six, but the last three to four seasons, I think it's been real tricky. And, you know, you mentioned about Pochettino. I think Pochettino, as you know, he warned us that there would be a need for a rebuild. Did we know how big it was going to be? Maybe not, but Pochettino knew it was coming. Yeah. Before we go to a break, do you want to give us your, your thoughts on Maurizio and just, you know, how he made you feel as a Spurs fan during his period at the club? He made me proud to be a Spurs fan. He mm. really did. I loved him. I, and you know what I look at when I'm watching a manager? I'm looking at what the players do after they score. Do they run up to the manager? Does he give them a hug? Is that important to them, what the manager thinks? And they loved, the players loved him. 
I mean, I think they loved him. I don't know the players. Oh, they might have hated his guts, but it looked to me like they loved him, right? And he loved them. Yeah. And it and and they got you know what? They have the spirit like the England team has now. They have this. They have this team spirit, right? Yeah. Um. There's a real connection there between the there fans. There was a connection. And, yeah. The fans and and, and look and point. you know, yeah. Listen, he's gone on. You know, PSG wouldn't let him go. They they want him so bad. They wouldn't yeah. let him go. Yeah, he's a really good manager, um, mm. and he's on the way up. That's the thing. He's mm. learning. He's young. He's going. You know, he's learning. He's learning his trade. Um, he's getting better and better. Uh, look, PSG want more than anything to win a Champions League, and yeah. the fact that they kept him because they wouldn't want to win a Champions League, I think, says everything you need to know about Pochettino. It's weird, isn't it? He's probably the only manager that was sacked by Spurs. That's his stock rose higher. <laughs> It's always bizarre feeling that you know you knew he was going to end up getting a top top job, and yeah, it says it, it says it everything that as part of Spurs' managerial search this summer, the profile they laid out was the man they sacked. How how strange is that? I know, yeah. I, know I know. Well, like I said, don't get me started on the boardroom. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are going to go for a very quick break. When we return, we've got to ask Marina about her thoughts on Spurs' new managerial appointment. Summer signs on their way, and of course, that tattoo. So, don't go anywhere. We're back after this very, very short break. Phoenix 51 is a powerful employee technology enabling organizations to make data driven decisions at every stage of the employee journey from hiring through benchmarking and development too. The platform provides detailed analytics on the most important asset in your business your people enabling organizations not only to make the correct hiring decisions but also how to benchmark train and retain them phoenix 51 powering your people decisions through every part of the employee journey hello and welcome back to the second half of the last word on spurs delighted to be joined by marina certis on this very special edition of the last word on spurs i know you've got a, a very big tattoo of tottenham hotspur yeah. On, your body. on my on my left shoulder, I have a Tottenham Hotspur tattoo. It's the it's the you know it's the logo with yeah. Tottenham Hotspur written underneath. Just in case, because people don't know, so I will make sure that they know. Just, what just, that so, they, just so they definitely know. know. I mean, yeah. it's just so definitely know. No guessing. No guessing. So I got it was my fifty seventh birthday, and I was in London, and I'd always wanted to get a tattoo, and I didn't know what to get, and so I I was you know debating whether to get something kind of you know motivational i thought i was watching the game and at the beginning and then there was a fella and he, with his shirt off and he had a life i mean literally on his whole back yeah it was a spurs tattoo mm. and i went that's what i'm gonna get i'm gonna get a spurs tattoo so i went to my local tattoo parlor went straight out the door and i got my spurs tattoo and i called my husband <laughs> he was in america and i went oh honey honey guess what i got a tattoo and he goes you did what i said i've got a tattoo he goes, what'd you get? I said, I got Spurs. He go, I got, I got my Spurs. He goes, you love that team more than you love me. And I went, no, I've just loved them longer. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he said, he said, you're dement. He goes, you are mad. He said, people get tattoos in their twenties, not in their fifties. And I said, yeah, but when I was twenty. Only biker chicks had tattoos, so I couldn't have a tattoo in my twenties. So now, and so it is my my pride and joy. And actually, when I was at the uh, Champions League screening at the new stadium, 
when I was standing, you know, queuing for my pie, for my Tottenham Hotspur pie, all the lads standing behind me were like, what's that? Is that real? Is that real? And no, no one believed it was real. And I was, I'm like, yeah, it's real. And I'm rubbing it. Yeah, it's real. Um, most impressed the lads at Spurs that this woman had a Spurs tattoo. And like I say, I mean, once you go that far deep, there's no changing now. Like you never could change. That's it. You're, you're the Spurs for life as you've always been. Spurs until I die, mate. Spurs <laughs> until I die. What I'm going to ask you about also, I think was it very interesting. I think when you was in the States, you used to have tapes of Spurs matches sent out to you, wasn't there? Was that a case? You yeah. And yeah. Before, before they sh actually now in America, you can watch more Premier League than in, than in England, actually. I could watch every Premier League game every weekend if I wanted to. But before that, there was no football. So I would, I would have my friends put them on a videotape like VCR, you know, and, um, and mail them to me so that I could watch them. It's crazy. I know. I'm, I know what. It's pathetic. I'm listening to myself now. I'm like, no, it's, it's pathetic. That's <laughs> different times now. Like you say there, like I say the coverage now, if you're, we've got a lot of listeners in the States that listen to the last one on Spurs. It's quite funny and ironic that, you know, you can probably see more of Spurs in America that you can in the yeah. UK based on subscriptions. It's absolutely crazy. But let's discuss Spurs in the present day, Marina, as um, ugly okay. and as unpretty as it is right now, <laughs> or what it looks like. Because to be fair, it's been again. Um, Last season was a season of transition, of course. Jose Mourinho sacked six days before a cup final. Let's get your thoughts on that quickly. You hire this serial winner. Who, who, who does that? Who does it? Who fires a manager six days before a cup final? I mean, it's unheard of. It's One unheard of. I mean, I just... Do you know what? If I had a gun, I would blow my brains out sometimes, honestly. <laughs> I just don't understand some of the decisions that are made. Mm. I mean, look, again, I don't know what's going on in yep. the boardroom. I don't know what happened between Mr. Levy and, um, and Mr. Mourinho. Yep. Um, all I know is that it's probably the first time in the history of football that that's happened. You spoke about, obviously, your, your love for Pochettino. With Mourinho coming in for you, did you buy into that concept that we're going to win trophies? Was that ever a, a thought in your mind or did you... Yeah, yeah actually, I have to be honest. I have to be honest, it was. It was. And then, of course, when he first came, we, we, we did well. I mean, yeah. we, were, we won a lot. You know, we were doing really well at first. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm thinking, oh, this is good. This is good. We, you know, OK. It's just, I was like, OK, there's a change of style. We're not playing, you know, the normal kind of football that we play. But if we win stuff, if yeah. we win stuff, then that's OK. Mm. But then, of course, you know, it all went terribly pear-shaped. So... Do you put that down to me? Because obviously, obviously Mourinho, wherever he's been, he has won trophies. Do you think, given more time, Mourinho would have got Spurs success? Or do you think that time had come where there was a need for a, de a departure? No, I think, I think, I, I, I think we had a philosophy. He had a philosophy of football that fit Spurs. I think, you know, part of the problem is it's the same thing that happened over there at that team from Woolwich. Um, that when they built their stadium, they had, you know, they had a, a dip. Well, actually, they've never come back with the other <laughs> Excuse me. Oh, did I say that? Um, but, uh, you know, the money's gone on the stadium. There's no money to buy players. However, um, Spurs have never really relied on buying players because we have a great academy. And, you know, if you can bring players through the academy, then you don't need to spend a lot of money. But, you know, that's not the, that's not the culture of football anymore, is it? Like, look at, you know, Man City, they've bought everyone. You know, they've got the money, they buy every, all the best players in the world. That's not the way Spurs have ever worked. We're not a bought team, we're a raised team. And- Organic, um, Organically funded. You know, yeah. 
Well, do you, well, do you know what? The other thing mm. was, I remember talking to Patrick Stewart one time, and he's, bless him, he's a Huddersfield Town fan. Love him. And, uh, <laughs> bless. Anyway, uh, actually, you know that that game, when Huddersfield were in the... Um, we're in the really? Premier yeah. League. Yeah, that was the Star Trek. That was the Star Trek derby. Really, it would have been. Yeah, I mean, that's like Yeah, and no, it was in the program. It was in the program. They interviewed me and they interviewed Patrick and they put and they called it the Star Trek derby. So I was really upset when Huddersfield got relegated because I was like, oh, there goes the Star Trek derby. Um, but anyway, uh, what was I saying? Uh, yeah. So um, right, listen. Yeah, Patrick would say I like Spurs because. They have a lot of English players yeah. and it's an English football team. I don't know. I just, I, you know, clubs that can, okay, I would love to be, you know, be in Man City's shoes right now and, and have won, you know, I don't know how many, three league titles in the last four years. Yeah. Um, but that team's ball. And when you've got money and you can buy all the best players, you win, you know. I think we've always felt, I don't know if you agree, that, you know, winning it the right, I say winning, winning it the right way, if there's such a, a right way now in football, winning it organically would be so special. And I think, you know, as you know, we, we've, come, we've come fairly close on a, we came fairly close on a Pochettino on a couple of occasions. We was in a title race with Leicester, of course, in a title race with Chelsea. I think at that time, that was at a time where obviously Harry Kane committed his future to the club for a further six years at that point. You know, I go back to that point where Spurs were challenging and there was that real belief, even with fans, there was this desire that Spurs were going to win something. And you would know yeah. you'd, you'd be watching games and even if Spurs went behind one or two nil, there would be that confidence and that belief that Spurs would come back to win. And um, yeah, and and Pochettino did that. Yeah. Pochettino did that because, you know, look, I've been a fan longer than you've been alive, Ricky. I've been I feel, a fan. I feel, I know, I feel I'm sorry for you for that. <laughs> yeah. So, so listen, you know, Pochettino did that because Spurs in the past, if we got behind, we lost. We didn't have that strength of character, if you like, to come back after we, especially if it was two goals behind. I mean, listen, I've been at a match where we were three nil up at half time and we lost five three. Yeah, we've been United, of course, Man United. Yeah. yeah. This summer, we saw Spurs' search for a manager last 72 days. We had the likes of Conte being linked. We had the glamour, again, of maybe Pochettino coming back. We had so many managers thrown in. We had Paolo Fonseca nearly over the line for Spurs to then pull away and try and go for Gennaro Gattuso. That would have really upset the fan base. We have now settled on our man, Nuno Espirito Santo. What do you make of him, Marina? Is I think he's a good manager. I think he's a good manager. Look what he did at Wolves. Mm. Brought them up from the championship. Um, they're doing really, they play lovely football. They're doing mm. really well. Yeah. Um, uh, he, he's a good manager. I think he's a really good manager. Uh, I think he's in the vein of Pochettino. I really do. And um, I'm, I'm very optimistic. I actually um, think that he's the better fit than the ones than the you know the people that we didn't go with in the summer yeah um i think he's a better fit for spurs i really do because he, it seems to me you know the problem with Mourinho is was that he was he he thought he was bigger than the club and if you get like an a-list manager like conte or whatever yeah there is that element especially if they've won a lot and they come to a team that hasn't won something in a, in a while that they're bigger than the club of course, yeah. they're not bigger than the club. You know, yeah. Spurs. I know we haven't won very much in the last few years, but mm. Spurs is a has a history, and it's a big history. 
Yeah. You know, we were the team at one point. You know, we were the team to beat at one point. And I and you know, I wouldn't still be a Spurs fan if I didn't think we could still be that at some point. Well, I think I don't know if you agree with me. I just think it's a it's a big giant awaken uh, awaiting to be awoken again. That, that's all. Yeah. It's a big, big club. You know, like you said there, it's got for me. It's got the best stadium in the world. It's got the best training ground in the world, in my opinion. That's you know, right. Yeah. Really good players in there, which will, will come on to the likes of Harry Kane, Hummin Son. I mean, I will throw his name in there. I think Deli Ali will come again. I've always been a massive, massive fan of Delhi. I think he's a very special player in there. I and do. I think he's a well. Plus, you know, one of the goals of the century he scored. You know, mm. two years ago. So yeah. It just takes the right manager to unlock them, and we're all hoping it's going to be Nuno Espirito Santo, right? We're all hoping it will be. Um, I know if you've probably seen also over the summer, Spurs have changed again in the boardroom. We're not going to touch upon the boardroom too much, um, but they've obviously now got a new managing director of football in Fabio Paratigi in charge. Um, how do you see that working? Because with Spurs and the uh, football or the managing director role and the, the sporting director hasn't always worked in the past. Do you believe that role could, could work at the club? I don't even know what that is. Uh, you know what? I don't even know what a director of football is. What not that what the manager's supposed to do? Director football? Well, I think, I, I think the modern day... I don't understand it. I, it's like, it's like mm. a job. It's like a, I don't understand that job. Mm. Does You see, I think the manager should be in charge. Yeah. I really do. I think there should be one in charge. Mm. And win or lose, good or bad, you should yeah. go with his philosophy, with his system... Mm. You know, I think when there's too many cooks in the kitchen, it, you get bad soup. Yeah. I think it'll be interesting to see how that relationship works because, again, we've got a manager in Nuno Espirito Santo that is there to, like you say, get the results. Um, he'll be there to coach the players. And you've then got this guy in Paratigi that is buying... What is it, what is it, now, what does he actually do? What is as, his job? As we understand, he's taking over the footballing decisions at the football club. Daniel Levy is going to be focusing on the business element of the club. So Paratigi's there in terms of bringing in players, um, selling players. So he's focusing on all the footballing ideas. Well, the yeah, but you see, yeah, but shouldn't the manager do that? He's the one that's training with them every day. He's the one who's, you see, in the old days, there was one bloke in charge and you did what he said. Yeah. And all, there's just, it's just, why do you need a direct, you know what, I'm going to get myself banned from Spurs if I keep on. <laughs> So I'm not going to... I'm welcome to the club, Mr. Director of Football. That's all I have to say. Well, I think it's definitely to say this has always been a, a continental approach. It'll be <laughs> interesting to see for Spurs if it's right. But for you, you do think they've got the right man in Nuno Spurs? I do. I do. I, you know, I'm, optimi I'm optimistic. Yeah. I'm optimistic. Yeah. Yeah. And we can't ask you, before we do talk about you again, we're going to ask you about Harry Kane. Uh, Harry <gasps> Kane, obviously a, a poster boy of the football club. I'm sure a player very dear to your heart. What do you think... Harry's going to do this summer. You know, it's a big summer for Harry. I'll tell you what I think, Ricky. I love Harry Kane with every fibre of my being. But he shouldn't stay at Spurs. Not right now. Mm. Not right now. You know why? He's, he's in the top three strikers in the world. Yeah. And he has been for the last few years. Yeah. And all he has on his mantelpiece are three golden boots. Yeah. He needs to have some proper trophies on that mantelpiece mm. because he deserves them. But, and if he has to yeah. go somewhere else to win them, then yeah. God bless you, Harry. I will always love you, but go win yourself some bloody trophies, mate. You deserve them. What, what presents? I've made myself cry now. No. I've made myself cry. But what presents does that set for Tottenham? If, if they allow Harry Kane to go, what message does that send to the rest of the squad? 
like well, the Hummin well, song. Why is he different? Excuse me, Ricky. Mm. Let's not fall out about this. Why is he different to Luka Modric or Christian Eriksen mm. or um, or Gareth Bale mm. or no, even blood? Excuse no, me. Even Kieran Trippier's won a bloody championship now that he's left. Well, I'm, listen, Every, we've yeah. had great players at the club and we sell them. It's what we do. We've always done it. Mm. We now have one of the best players in the world. Yep. And it would be totally selfish. I mean, listen, I hope he stays. I of love course. him. I love him. Yeah, yeah. If I was if I was Mrs. Kane mm. or his mum, I would say, listen, he deserves to win a league. He deserves mm. to win oh, a does. Champions yeah, League. There's, there's no doubt he deserves listen, I, I've always said Harry and, deserves. And if he stays at Spurs, Ricky, mm. he's He's mm. tw- how old is he now? 25, 28, 28, 28, 28, 28, 28. Yeah. 28. He's 28. Yeah. He's 28. Mm. He needs some proper trophies on his shelf. Yeah. I think there is. And an I say argument. that. And I say mm. that. I say that not as a Spurs fan. I say that as a fan of Harry Kane. Yeah. I think there's no doubt for Harry. I mean, this is a big summer because I think you're going to probably agree that he's got one last big contract in him. A big, like, one last big, maybe four or five year contract in him. And it's whether he's ready to commit those peak years to a club like Spurs that really at the moment they're going again for a transition where he could go to a Man City and he'd be guaranteed to probably win the league pretty much in his Exactly, career. exactly. Listen, I'd hate to see him. I know, I'm going to hate to see him go. I'm going to cry for days when he leaves. But, he, but like I said, he deserves more. He yeah. deserves more than Spurs can give him right now. There's no way we're going to win the league next year. Well, you know, you kind of answered my next question. I was, I was going to ask you for... for the season coming, where you, obviously we're in the middle of a rebuild, you know, we obviously we know that at, at the moment, you know, Spurs, it's a new manager coming in. And um, what is your expectations or what's your ambitions for the coming season? What would be an acceptable league finish for Tottenham? Got to do top four. Has to be top four. Got to be, got to be top four. Because, f- first of all, to be honest, what is this Europa conference that we're playing in next year? I don't know. I don't want to know. I don't want to know about it. <laughs> No, exactly. We're going to be playing teams we've never heard of in cities we've never heard of on a Thursday, and we're never going to have a Saturday match. But we might, we might win a trophy. <laughs> we might finally win a trophy, Marina. It might actually happen. And what if we don't? We've lost the Mickey Mouse Cup, then, right? Oh, okay. No. What? Yeah, yeah. No, no. Mm-hmm. Top four. Got to be top four. So we even, got spoiled. We had years of always being top four and playing in the Champions League. It mm, hurts now. Yeah. We're not in, you know, that we're, we're not in the Europa League. We're in the Europa Conference. It's like they're making up prizes for the bad teams now. It's really, not that we're bad, not that not we're that, bad. We're no, just, no. We're just, misunderstood. Just, we're just, misunderstood. Just, just, me, just misunderstood <laughs> and mediocre, maybe. I'll tell you. So no. for you. Just for you then. So for you, it has to, it's a minimum for you. It has to be a top four finish, right? Top four has to be top four. Okay, I'm going to ask you now to, you know, to really put your neck on the line here. Will Harry Kane be in a Spurs shirt on that first game of the season against Man City? I think he will. He'll definitely be in a white shirt, not a blue shirt, right? I think he'll be in a white shirt. Yeah. Okay. I have to say, and I can, I can mention him because um, he's still employed at Spurs. Yes. Is Ledley? Is Ledley? Mm. Yeah. Now, because Spurs, you know, they figured out who I was a few years ago. Um, I got invited, um, I think it was three, two or three years ago, when they came to LA for their preseason. So I got invited to watch them train and I got invited to the Barcelona game, right? So um, what was exciting for me is to go watch them train 
because I was hanging out with Ledley and Darren Anderton. So, you know, I could have died a happy woman right there. And at one point, it was a very hot day and um, Ledley was a bit hot. There was no shade. So I got up and I went, Ledley, I'm going to be your sunshade. And he went, what? I said, I'm going to, I stood in front of him, like with my arms out to cast the shadow on him. So it's so hot. And he said, Marina, I'll sit down. Don't be stupid. And I'm like, no, no. All the hours of pleasure you've given me, the least I can do is keep the sun off you. Well, out of interest, what, what have you made of Ledley? Because he's, um, as we understand it, he's, he, he's not part of the, of the coaching staff for next season. He's going back to becoming an ambassador. An ambassador, yeah. Are you well, surprised by that at all? Well, no, because when Nuno, when Nuno comes in, he has to have his own people. Mm. You know, he does have to have his own people. Um, Ledley will always be a part of the club. You know, I'm sure his positions will change, you know, over the years. But I don't think he'll ever be anywhere but Spurs. You know, I think that's uh, and that's fine because that's where he belongs. And we should look after our our, our legends. Yeah. And he was a legend. He was. Yeah. He is a legend. Yeah. 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 I totally agree. Well, listen, Marina, we'll come away from Spurs for a few minutes and we'll just ask some some questions. I mean, we've got to ask you, you've worked with some of the best known actors and actresses in the world. Who's the easiest person to work with in your time? My, my, my next generation cast. Yeah. Easiest, easiest, because we were best friends and we just laughed. We had such a laugh. I mean, the days were twice twice as long as they should have been because we spent so much time mucking around and laughing and um, we we just hit it off. And, it, you know, you know what they say, if you love your, what you do, you mm. never work a day in your life. And that was really the experience that I had on, on Star Trek. I was going to ask you, I mean, that must be like you just said there. Does it feel like a job when you're having that much fun? Uh, well, the check's nice every Thursday. But <laughs> I bet. <laughs> that's, the, that's the part that's the job. Oh, that's a nice check. <laughs> 50 hours of overtime. <laughs> I mean, you've been involved in some, in some wonderful, wonderful projects. Do you have anything coming up at the moment? Obviously, we're just in the present. I do, actually. Well, there's, you know, actually, it's um, Hollywood has become this um, city of secrets now. Mm, uh, yeah. You have to sign um, an, an, what, uh, non-disclosure, right? An yeah. NDA. You have to yeah. sign an NDA before you even audition nowadays. It's wow. ridiculous. Wow. Um, actually, I've signed so many NDAs when I, when I sit when I was in America. I signed so many NDAs. I actually used to feel like one of Donald Trump's mistresses. But anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, um, one thing I just shot. A, a, I did a, a cameo in a. British film on Monday. Um, I don't know what the title, they keep changing the title, but when I know what it is, I'll, I'll let everyone know. Okay. Um, and um, at the moment it's called Dream Hackers, but it might change. Um, and I have something coming up at the, I've got two projects that at the moment are coinciding. So I've kind of, the pen, both are penciled in and because, you know, timetables change and things change. And so yeah. I've said I'd do both, but yeah. I probably will, will only be able to do one. Yeah. But actually, now I'm back in the UK, I would actually like to get up on stage again and do another play in the West End. I know people are listening going, she can't be in a play, she's a cockney. I actually do accents. <laughs> I actually do accents. So um, I can do a posh accent. I can do whatever accent you want. Um, actually, I do have to clear something up. Although I was raised in North London, I yeah. was actually 
I'm actually a true Cockney because I was born in the East End, um, within the sound of the bow bells and all that. So I'm, be I'm very proud of my heritage. In fact, I'm more Cockney now than I've been in decades because obviously in America, if I talk like this, yeah. I'd have to come with subtitles because they wouldn't understand a word I said. Uh, so I had to modify my, I had to modify my speech and kind of talk American. Um, so, you know, uh, so they would understand me. But um, yeah, I'd like to do some more plays and I'd love to do some period dramas and I'd love to do some more Shakespeare and, you know, I know it's weird, Tottenham fan, to be, you know, into the classics, but now I have to say something else go before on. I go. So I was listening to Adele talk. Yep. And I went, she sounds like me. She's got the same accent I have. She must be from North London. Let me Google her and see where she's from. And the picture that came up was of Adele at White Hart Lane. Not that I didn't love her enough already. Yeah, massive Spurs fan. Massive Spurs fan. Massive Spurs Yeah, fan. huge Spurs so fan. I'm in, very, I'm in very good company. So she's on my list of Spurs fans that I want to meet. Listen, we only do A-list celebrities on here, hence why we've got you on Marina. So I'm sure <laughs> we're there, bless her. There'll be, that'll hopefully come very soon. But no, it's, um, it's been such a pleasure having you on, sharing, I'd say, a, a bit of your Spurs story, a bit of your life with us. Thank you so, so much. Is there any message you want to give to sp fellow Spurs fans that are kind of at the moment in a, we're in a real crossroads with the club. Is it a case of just, you know, keeping strong, keeping the faith? You just keep the faith. You know, you're not going to switch teams because when you're Spurs, like I said, you're Tottenham till you die. Um, so you just, you just hope, you just hope. I mean, I, at this point, I would say to a Spurs fan, to, the, to Spurs fans of my age um, and older, I would say, let's hope we give something before we get something, before we pop our clogs. Um, but, yeah. but for the youngest fans, it will happen because it's cyclical. You know, football yeah. is cyclical. Um, yeah. the you know, there was a time when Manchester City were the noisy neighbours, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, you know... Let's see. I mean, there was a time when that team from Woolwich were unbeatable. Yeah. <laughs> you have to love a long memory to remember that one. It's anyway, true. don't. Yeah. Honestly. So it's it, you know things change. This isn't yeah. going to be forever. You know, it could happen in I don't know in five years' time. We are the Man City of five years. You just don't know. You just yeah. don't know. You just keep loving the team and supporting them. Of course, and I suppose the message is back, Nuno. Right. Time to back Nuno. Back Nuno, a hundred percent. Yeah. Mr. Santo, um, God bless you. <laughs> please, bring, please, you. <laughs> please bring us something. Please bring us something. Please, Anything. please, 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 please. Inspire those players to win the trophy. Oh, Amen. The wonderful Marina Certis. Marina, been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks, Ricky. We'll talk again, I hope. Sports Social Podcast Network.